are, uh, we started last week into a new series called All Things New, and um, we have uh, a few more parts to go. Today is New Person. Next week is going to be, I believe, a New Victory, and then we're going to do New Command, and then uh, I think we're going to wrap it up with a New Season. And uh, looking forward very much to that. All things new, new person. We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's get right into it. Verse uh, 13 to 21 says this. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ recon reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. A great passage of scripture. We all love new things. We tend to really love new things. Some of us like old things, but I mean like you know, not old, like antique old, cool, because now it's like old is all new again. But I'm talking about old and ratty stuff. You know, like we, 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 we work hard so that we can buy new things. We like new things. We want a new phone. Some people are obsessed. As soon as the iPhone gets released, I must have it. Even though there was nothing wrong with their last version. But I just must have it. We, we like this. We want new phones new cars, new clothes, and, and so much more, right? We love this idea of replacing something old and worn out with something brand new. We live in an age, of course, where people are doing everything they can to stay looking young and to avoid looking old. Nobody wants to look old and worn out. Everybody wants to look young and new and fresh, you know, like Botox has become our friend. And all this stuff that people do. We're, we're into this new thing, you know. And this portion of scripture is pointing to something so much deeper than an outward appearance. Jesus makes us new on the inside. Amen? And, and so, yeah, we might look the same on the outside. But when we meet him, we are very changed on the inside. We are new in Jesus. And, and this old life that we had, and our old attitudes, they're gone. You'll find, especially if you find the Lord later in life, your perspective is different. It changes after you meet Jesus. 
It's, it's just different. You, you see yourself and other people around you in a different way. You view the world around you. Your worldview changes. The events that take place in our world, you're, you're seeing them through different eyes and a different perspective. You know why? Because you've been transformed. The old is gone and the new has come. And there's, and, and there's something different about this new person that than, than, than the way you used to be. Paul, in this passage, he gives us encouragement about what God has done in the life of a believer. And I just wanted to make three points uh, that I think are pretty clear in this passage. We're a new person. We have a new nature. We have a new beginning. And we have a new purpose. And so we're going to work our way through that today. A new nature. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.14. Just put that verse up for me. It says, either way. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. So here we are, a new creation. So when we receive the gift of salvation that Jesus offers, see, we're not just reformed. We're not just rehabilitated. We are recreated. This is what the word says. The old is gone. We become temples of the we were never that before. There's something new about that. You know, when we sold our church a while back, we sold our old church building to a developer. If you're our guest today, we moved uh, into this new building uh, the last Sunday of July, July the 29th, and so it's still fresh for us. But when we sold our old building, we sold it to a developer, and when you're selling something to a developer, it's a completely different sale process than a normal house uh, deal. You know, like when you when you sell your house, you basically do, you know, everybody does the same thing. You declutter, uh, you clean, you stage it a little bit, you, you, you want to make it clean and make it look as nice and as good as possible. But here's the thing. A developer doesn't actually care about the old building. He didn't care if we left the church a mess. He didn't care if we cleaned the carpets. He didn't care. He didn't care. You know why? You know why? Because it was a coming down. And if you drive by that site, it is no longer. Right? He doesn't care about the old building because he's going to build something new. The old building is coming down. And so when you belong to Jesus, the old comes down. You see, we get obsessed with our past and all of our baggage from our past and, and, and try to clean ourselves up so that we can be more acceptable. And, and God is like, listen, I'm not going to rehabilitate you. I've not come to declutter you. I've come to recreate you. So it doesn't matter what your past was. It doesn't matter what's inside your house because I'm a knocking it down and I'm going to build something new. This is what he does. This is what he does. So. He's not going to renovate. He's going to recreate, right? And this is the new nature that those of us who believe in Jesus have experienced. Our whole being, our, our whole value system, and even our behavior is different. It changes. We become dead to sin, and we become alive to God. Paul wrote these words in Colossians chapter 3. Put them up for me. 
He says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Put to death, right? Put to death the sinful earthly things. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God will come on you. You used to do these things when your life, see, check this out. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, uh, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. See, you'll hear people in life, I'm sure you all have, that somebody's had a particular experience, a near-death experience or a traumatic experience of some kind or even just a super positive experience. And they'll say, oh, man, like this thing, it just gave me a whole new outlook on life. You ever heard that? You know, like uh, I had a, a real bad car accident many, many years ago, and I nearly died. And it, it, it gave me a whole new perspective on things, and that's true. I, I can actually still feel the effects of that accident, not, not physically, but, in, but, but mentally, what the Lord did in me through that. And I, I, so I'm not negating that, but I, I just want to say this. We can have a particular experience that can give us a whole new outlook on life. But, but folks, this is the most powerful one you could ever have. This is the, the most, this is the, the most life-changing experience that you could ever, ever experience. Jesus changes us at the core of who we are. He, he changes our convictions, which leads us uh, to change our attitudes, and that leads us to change our actions. It's, it's this whole package. We are created into someone new. He doesn't patch up the old heart. He says, I am literally going to give you a new one. That's what he says. So we are a new person with a new nature. Uh, second, an, because we're a new person, we we... One, we have a new nature, but two, we get a new beginning. Isn't that nice? You ever have something in life you'd like to go back and go, man, I'd like to do that over again. If I could just rewind time, I could not say that stupid thing I said. Oh, if I could just go back, I wouldn't have walked through that door, you know. But we all have those moments, right? You have it now in Christ. The old is gone. You have a new beginning. Look at second... uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become, say it with me, a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Begun. You have a new beginning. See, at New Year's, some people still make resolutions to change something about themselves, to do something, you know, to improve. Usually it's, uh, you know, the classic Quit smoking, lose weight, join a gym, blah, 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 blah. And usually by January the 12th, it's over, you know. But it, it, this is, this is uh, we, we make these resolutions to change something. But I just wanted to say this. I said that to say, following Jesus, it's more than just a resolution to change something. It's more than that. It's actually embracing a new life. It's actually starting 
starting out on a new beginning. The old is gone, and the new has begun. So Paul actually is one of the best examples of this, the very guy who wrote these words to the Corinthians. Some of you would remember his previous life. Before his old, uh, or I should say, before his new life, he was full of pride and hate and violence. He, he was a religious extremist who, who was going around arresting and killing Christians. He, he got joy out of it. He thought it was the right thing to do. In Acts chapter 9, though, uh, Paul has this encounter. He was on his way, the word says, to Damascus. We won't take the time to look at it, but you can read it later. In Acts 9, he's on his way to Damascus to go there to kill and persecute Christians. And on the road, on his way, something happens. Hmm? He meets, and his name is, he meets Jesus. Now, you've got to think that his whole life was thrown upside down. I don't think we think about the change in Paul enough. This guy, he went from one extreme to another. You know, he, this encounter with Jesus causes him to do some serious reevaluating. He comes to the conclusion, clearly, that he was completely wrong about everything he'd ever thought about Jesus and everything that he had thought about those who were following Jesus. They were known as people of the way, following the way. And, and he thought, you know, Jesus was just this, this uneducated carpenter who was a nothing guy, at best a false prophet, leading gullible people around and leading them astray, and we just need to snuff this out and stop this before it gets any worse. But when he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, he's blind for three days. And we don't get told exactly what goes on in those three days, but you've got to think that in those three days, he's doing some serious reevaluating, right? And then God directs someone else to go and say, I want you to lay hands on Paul, and when you lay hands on Paul, his eyes will be opened and he will be healed. And this guy says, who's a follower, he says, Lord, are, like, hold it, wait a minute. Are we talking about the same Paul I'm talking about? Because I don't want to go near that guy with a 10-foot pole. He's liable to slit my throat. I'm not going near him. To go. And God says, no, go. Or he's the one who will bring the message to the Gentiles. I have my hand on him, and the calling on his life is strong. And so I think it was Cornelius, right? So Cornelius goes. He prays for Paul. His eyes are open. And Paul begins a brand new journey, right? He meets Jesus, and he's prayed for, his sight's restored, and his life was simply never the same. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 5.16. It says, this is what Paul said, so we have stopped. I, I can't help but think he's thinking about himself here. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. And then he goes, man. How differently do I know him now? You should have seen what he did to me on the road to Damascus. I thought he was nuts and nobody, and but he sure changed my mind, you know. Look, and uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, he, he, uh, he's talking about how he was basing his old life on his 
on his appropriate religion. That he, there was no better religious guy than him. He says, I was uh, circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Do you see? This is not even close to the same guy, right? This guy was the guy who was absolutely, you know, the opposite. He was proud. He was religious. He was an extremist. And anybody who was bending or, or, or misinforming people of, 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 his, uh, of his strict Jewish thought, he, he freaked out. And, he, and it was quite okay for him to kill people. It was quite okay for him to throw innocent people in jail. He was doing it in the name of God. People do a lot of things in the name of God. And God doesn't have a darn thing to do with it. Paul was absolutely changed and transformed. His life started all over again, a new beginning, when he accepted the salvation. And by the way, the forgiveness that Jesus offered him. Could you imagine the guilt that he walked around with? Of all the things that he had done, the, the people and how he had done and the, the things that he, just the people he had treated so badly. You don't think that the enemy was working in his life on those things, but he meets Jesus and he offers him salvation and he offers him forgiveness. It's like Jesus said when he's hanging on the cross, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. And I think Paul related to that very well. He was forgiven and set free. He went from one extreme to another. He, I just think, you know, have you ever met like just extreme individuals? Like they just can't do anything. Like if they do one thing, they're like all in or nothing. You know, like there's, they struggle for balance. Like just do it a little bit. No, if I do it, I have to do it all. You know, I have this sense that he was like that. He was like an extreme guy. And he, when he, he was against Jesus, and now he's for Jesus. You know, he says, when he, look at the words he said there in Philippians. I consider everything else garbage compared, right, com compared to gaining Jesus, to gaining uh, knowledge and to being one with him. I mean, he was an extreme guy. He was a persecutor turned into a proclaimer. Amen? Th this is, he was a religious man trying to earn God's favor and he was turned into a recipient and a teacher of God's grace. It was a beautiful, wonderful, powerful new beginning. And by the way, we all have had new beginnings. And don't let anybody tell you that your testimony is not powerful. Listen, think about this. Resurrection, any kind of resurrection is not boring. Hmm? 
you have been resurrected from the dead in that sense, right? We are new in Christ, and the new beginning has happened. And so all of us, to a certain extent, we all have our stories, but we all have that new life. So I got I to gotta keep going because I know that time has gone. So lastly, a new purpose, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 to 20. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. When we, when we speak for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. Isn't that cool? You speak for Christ when you say to somebody, come back to God. It, it's really powerful. Because of what Jesus has done, we're new creations. We have a new nature. We have a new beginning. And guess what? We also have a new purpose. There's something else going on now in our lives. Before, we would live for ourselves. We live for pleasure. We do what we wanted to do, what would be a gain to us. Maybe we'd help some people. We'd love our family, all this kind of stuff. But now there's a new mission, a new purpose, a new calling on our lives. We live with that now. We serve God with the lives that he has blessed us with. That's the calling, right? We are called, Paul says, to be reconcilers. Now, what does, it, what does that mean exactly? I was thinking about, I know it's, it's somewhat obvious, but I, I, I pondered reconciliation and reconciling. And I saw this, somebody wrote these words I was reading this week, that reconciliation is changing for the better a relationship between two or more people. Reconciliation is changing for the better a relationship between two or more people. And I began to think about that's, that's the calling on our lives. We are called to change for the better a relationship between people, between people and God. That's the job, right? Look at, look at 519 just one more time. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave who? The wonderful message of reconciliation. So Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross, he's reconciled us to God. And we are now tasked with this responsibility of sharing this good news. So we're called to help change for the better the relationship that people have with God. That's our job. We're called to help change for the better the relationship that people have with God. There are lots of people we know, lots of people you know, right, that have no relationship with Jesus whatsoever. Some that you know and that you'll meet have a distant relationship with him, possibly. Some have been hurt and discouraged uh, through a church or through another Christian or or something else, and they've grown cold in their relationship with Jesus. But whatever the case may be, whatever that, that person's story is, you have been given the task, the job of being a reconciler, of helping to improve the relationship between that person and Almighty God. That's the job. So you may be, listen, you may be a lawyer. You, you may be a pastor. You may be a chef. Uh, if you are, come and speak to us after. Uh, you may be like an office worker. 
uh, a teacher, a banker, a plumber, a truck driver. It doesn't matter what, what, what that is. It, it, but if you know Jesus, never forget that you're a reconciler. That's what you are. When someone says, hey, how, how are you? Uh, and what do you do? I'm a reconciler. I thought you were a plumber. No, that's just what I do on the side, man. My main gig is I'm a reconciler. Isn't it time we flip that? We'll focus more on eternity rather than, than, than stuff that's going to come and go. Hey, what are you, a pastor? No, man, I'm a reconciler. I thought you were a truck driver. No, man. I, I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Yeah. Use that. I just, that was free. That was not in my notes. That just came to me. Anyway, so it's, the, it's but it's seriously the most important job we have. It's the most life-changing job we have. We are called to make an eternal impact in the lives of people. That's who we really are. We're not just a keyboard player, a drummer, a truck driver. We're not, we're not just a housewife, a stay-at-home mom, a plumber, an electrician, an architect, a lawyer. We're not just those things. When we know Jesus, we are a reconciler. And that is really our job. We have become new people in Jesus Christ. We have been given joy that the world can't give. You know, let's say the world didn't give it and the world can't. Come on now. It's a little dull in here this morning. Right? This is who we are. Right? We've been given joy that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. We have been given peace that is deeper than human understanding, that holds us in the palm of his hand. Even when all around us is raging in chaos, we can still feel his peace. Right? We have been given the power to be his witnesses. Acts 1, for you shall be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to go out and be the reconciler that I've called you to be to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You're called the Stouffville to Toronto, to Ontario, to Canada, to the world. Like this is who we are. It's who we are. You have been given this ministry, right? We have been promised to be given wisdom from on high whenever we're in short supply. He said, when you lack wisdom, ask of me and I will give it, right? So he says, Lord, how do I, how can I help change for the better the relationship this person has with you? I don't know. Well, guess what? He does. So ask for wisdom. You've been given power. You've been given wisdom. You've been given joy. You've been given peace. It's time. It's time that we start showing these gifts and using these gifts to help others be reconciled back to a wonderful God. This is what we're called to be. We have a life-changing message. It's, it, it counts for eternity. It's real, and it's true, and it's powerful. God is real. God has not turned his back on this world. He is here. He is love. He is ready to help. He is ready to change. He is ready to transform. We have the words of life, and we must give them. Listen, Jesus came into the world and he died on a cross 
so that a great reconciliation could take place. Our message, just think about this for a second. And i got to wrap up here, but, uh, but this is good preaching, though, eh? It's all right. Come on now. This, hey. <laughs> this is this a guest say, I don't take myself seriously, please. No, I don't. I, look, he, we have this life-changing message, right? I mean, think about it. It's so powerful, right? He, he was rejected so that we could be accepted, right? He was condemned so that we could be forgiven. He was punished so that we could be pardoned. He was hated so that we could find love. He was crucified so that we could be justified. He died so that we could live. He conquered sin, death, and the grave so that we could be reconciled and be given hope that lasts far beyond this world. This is the message. Do you just not feel encouraged just even hearing those words? This is the message we carry. This is the message that the world needs to hear and understand. Believers are new people. We are new people. We have a new nature. We've had a new beginning. Oh, our past may be jaded. Or we may have all kinds of skeletons in our closet. But praise God, he's knocked that old sucker down. And he's built something brand new in its place. This is what he does. We are New people with a new nature, with a new beginning, and now with a new higher calling, a new purpose on our lives to live for more than ourselves, but to live for those around us and to carry the message of reconciliation to a world that is desperate to hear it. It's time that we live out who we are in Christ and to take the calling that's on our lives seriously. So listen, if you've never experienced this new life, if you're here today and you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've never experienced this new life that Jesus offers, I want you to know something very simple. Don't miss this. You can. You can. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or what your culture is. It doesn't matter if you're fat doesn't matter if you're skinny. We're all fat, aren't we? Don't we all think we're fat? You know, it doesn't matter the color of your hair. It doesn't matter the size of your bank account. It doesn't matter if you live in a big house, a small house. It doesn't matter what kind of a car you drive. It doesn't matter. Nothing. All that matters is, is that you're loved by a great God. And if you've never experienced this new life, you can. Remember, he doesn't care what you've done in your past. Don't let it hold you down. The enemy will use it to hold you down. But God just destroys it and, and, and builds something new and wonderful. It's not bothering him, so don't let it bother you. Right? He doesn't care what you've done in your past. He, he cares about building something new. He cares about... Not where you've been, but where you are and where you're going, right? So, listen, it's clear, it's clear, it's clear. The old is gone, and the new has come. That's the message that we carry, and that's the change. All things new, we're in this series, 
today is new person, and that's indeed truly 